0: Some of the first verses I ever memorized were John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And those verses say this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Those verses really impacted my heart this week as I was preparing for today because it's kind of our sermon in a nutshell. These verses refer to God's omnipotence, that He is all-powerful, God's omnipresence, that He is everywhere all the time, and His omniscience, that that He is all-knowing. So our subject matter this morning is a little heavy but I thought it was appropriate with school starting and teachers and kids all getting back to school that we all collectively get to use in our brains this morning. Are you up for that? <clears throat> that was a tepid amen. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I'm also going to try something a little different. I usually take a passage and we dig down into that passage and study that passage. But I'm, I've heard in my older years that it's good to try new things I'm of the age and opinion, I don't know if that's true, but I'm going to give it a go today and we're going to take a topic and not just a specific passage. So you're going to want to keep your Bible handy or Bible app or if you take notes, all of the uh, text uh, thoughts and, and, and uh, passages and chapters and verses will be up on the screen so you can write those down. <clears throat> so this morning, we're going to talk about the attributes of God. But I don't want to just stand up here and teach about the attributes of God. And we should all be grateful because depending on whose list you read, there are anywhere from nine to a hundred attributes of God. And I don't know that anybody's up for a hundred point sermon. I'm not sure Pastor Randy could pull off a hundred point sermon. That'd take a minute. What I feel led to do is focus on four of the main attributes of God But I want to answer this question about those attributes. Why are these attributes so important to me? In fact, the title of my message this morning is, Why are the attributes of God so important? Sure, we can understand and try to explain these things, but why is that important? Why does that matter? You see, it's all about perspective, gaining an understanding. I've told this story before, but it's a great illustration about perspective. And so there is a rail car in World War II, and it goes through a tunnel, and as it goes through a tunnel, it gets pitch black, and in that darkness, you hear two sounds. You hear a kiss, and you hear a slap. And these four people that are in this rail car, there is a mom and a daughter and a general and a private, and here is what those four people are thinking about those sounds. The young lady is thinking, I can't believe that private missed me and kissed my mom, (laughs) but I wish she hadn't hit him so hard. The mom is thinking, I can't believe that private kissed my daughter, but I wish she would have hit him harder. The general is thinking, I can't believe this private kissed one of these ladies, but that they missed him and slapped me. To which the private is thinking, I have never had so much fun Kissing the back of my hand and slapping the snot out of a general. <laughs> perspective. It's all about perspective. The attributes of God and our trying to understand them is perspective. We're trying to understand the qualities and nature of God and his divine nature as it is revealed to us in Scripture. In other words, God is so beyond our ability to understand We have to go to Scripture and find ways to describe Him so that we can relate to Him, so that we can gain a perspective of who God is and why that is important to us. So I want to ask these four questions this morning. And I want to begin with, why is the attribute of God's omnipotence important to me? This attribute is defining the Uh, Nature of God that he is all powerful. Omni equals all and potent or potence equals power. All powerful. And as I mentioned, we're going to look around scripture at several of these different thoughts describing these attributes. And so in Jeremiah 32, the writer says, All sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Get this sentence. Nothing is too hard for you. Man, we could just about pack it up and go home right there. Nothing is too hard for my God. Amen? Job chapter 11 says, can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the almighty They are higher than the heavens above, what can you do? They are deeper than the depths below, what can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, that is at work within us to be to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is able to do all of this according to his power. Revelation chapter 1 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Scripture makes it pretty clear that God is all-powerful, but why is that important to me? It's important to me because no matter what I am facing, God is powerful enough. Jeremiah said, nothing is too hard for you. I got into strongman competitions a few years ago, 2015 or so. Strongman's not powerlifting. it's certainly not bodybuilding. if you see this. <clears throat> Strong man is all based on lifting really heavy weights in really awkward ways. You're running with it, you're walking it, you're dragging a car, you're lifting a car, you're doing all this weird stuff. I wasn't a gym guy growing up, but I got into the gym a little later in Walden. So this is a competition in Dallas that I went to. That's like, I don't know, a lot of weight. It was really heavy. This is a stone. I think it was like 235 pounds. And so the whole point, of course, is you got to lift this thing, but not just to lift it. You have to lift it and then get it up on this shelf. And <clears throat> this is a competition. I was, uh, this is in Austin. I think that was like 150 pounds, but you had to lift it for reps. And the The heavier, stronger guys, they got to lift a car. That was so cool to watch. So this is a... <clears throat> Pretty exciting picture because it looks like that's a 50-pound keg that I'm throwing over a 20-foot bar. But it kind of looks like that keg's going to make it, but it doesn't. (laughs) Just just so you know. So I, I didn't get into the gym thing as a younger person. Leave that picture up just for a few seconds. I got into lifting a little bit later, and so I got into strongman, and as I was lifting the trainer there in Walden, he's like, you're kind of strong for an old guy. And so I I lifted more, and I got stronger, and so he encouraged me to try a couple of these strongman competitions. So I went to these competitions, but not having been a lifter younger in life, I didn't have that base of strength that so many other people did. So as I was preparing for this specific event here, I went, and thanks guys for that picture, I went and got a plate at Academy that was similar to the weight of this keg, and I found a tree up behind the office that was 20 feet high, and so I went and practiced a zillion times trying to throw that plate up over that branch. Because it's not just about strength, it's somewhat about technique. And I practiced, and I practiced, and I lifted, and I lifted, and I tried, and I tried. But there's nothing worse than knowing you're not strong enough. And even though that picture might look like that keg got up over the bar, it didn't make it. And I got three attempts, I never did get it over. Because I wasn't strong enough. But I am here today to give you good news that my God is always strong enough. No matter what you may be facing or going through, you may not be strong enough, I may not be strong enough, but my God is always strong enough. So why is that important? Because I am often not strong enough, but God is. I often can't handle the situation I am in, but God can. Because we serve a God that is mighty enough, strong enough, powerful enough. He is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that has at work within us. My God is strong enough. So be encouraged that if you aren't If I'm not, that's okay. Because our God is. He is strong enough. So the second question that I'm going to ask this morning, I may be introducing a little bit of a new word to you. But the second question is this. Why is the attribute of God's immutability important to me? And if you're wondering what that word means, I'm going to... tell you what it is right out of scripture malachi chapter 3 says i the lord do not change so i referred to brother google and he said this the immutability of god is an attribute that god is unchanging in his character Will and covenant promises. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says that God is a spirit whose being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth are infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. Those things do not change. God does not change. Who he is never changes. His attributes are the same from before the beginning of time into eternity. His character never changes. He never gets better or worse. His plans do not change. So his promises do not change. And this ought to be an incredible source of joy for those of us as believers. Sam Storms writes about this good news of God's unchanging nature. And he says, what all of this means, immutability, it's very simple. It means that God is dependable. Our trust in him is therefore a confident trust. For we know that he will not, indeed cannot, change. His purposes are unfailing, his promises unassailable. It is because the God who promised us eternal life is unchangeable, immutable, that we rest assured that nothing, not trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword shall separate us from the love of Christ. It is because Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever that neither angels nor demons nor present nor future nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter (laughs) 8. Hallelujah. And this is really the heart of what I want to say today. As I was thinking and preparing and praying about this message and what I have learned, what I'm becoming, I uh, was thinking to myself, my, my wife and I have titled this, so this summer, the, the summer of frustration. <laughs> and we know this is not unique to us. Many of you have gone through this or are going through this, but we built a house we moved into the house. We sold some stuff. We bought some new stuff. We've lived on our house over a month. We're still waiting for half of our furniture. <laughs> you know how that goes. Warranty stuff, fixing stuff. Been a frustrating summer, and I thought to myself, I may not always be the most patient. I try. But I'm usually consistent. And I rarely speak that I don't refer to my dad and for those of you that didn't have a great relationship with your dad, I'm so sorry for that, but, but I did. In fact, I, I had the unique opportunity to have one of those dads who was my hero. And if there was any quality about my dad that I have always tried to emulate, and the harder I, the older I get, the harder I try to emulate was his consistency. My dad was always there. You could count on my dad. If you were going to paint the church at 7 o'clock on Saturday morning, guess who was going to be there? My dad. If you were going to have a kid's crusade and you needed someone to help be a volunteer for the kid's crusade, guess who was going to be there? My dad. My dad was always there. And I had something happen to me last week that really drove that point home for me. You see, I have always tried to be there for my kids, I couldn't always physically be there for my kids. Through some of the teenage years of my sons, they lived with their mom in Kansas City, and I lived down in Oklahoma with Linda. And so I got up at 4 o'clock many Saturday mornings to drive to Kansas City for an 8 a.m. little boys basketball game. Oh, man. I really tried to be there for my kids. And so something happened last week, and I don't share this, Please don't misunderstand to make myself look good, but it really drove home this point, and I feel led that I should share it today, the importance of consistency. A little back story, if you, if you don't mind. I've known my wife my entire life, literally. Her mom and my mom grew up together in the same little hometown, so we've known each other prenatally, <laughs> Linda and I grew up together. We went to the same church together. We went to youth camp, kids camp together. We never really hung out a whole lot. We didn't date. But as life would have it, I went off to Bible college, seminary. I was a pastor for many years, lived all over the nation. Linda stayed right there in in Tulsa. Through the circumstances of life, we both ended up back in our little hometown of Verdigris, Oklahoma in 1999, and we got reacquainted. When we started dating in 1999, my daughter was six. Linda's daughter was six. And on Christmas Eve, 2003, I got to marry the love of my life, Miss Linda. That's where you're supposed to applaud. Right? That's okay. Last service didn't applaud either, but I made them too. So, so my sweet daughter was six years old when I met her. And last week, she turned 28. And I often talk about my dad, but I almost always refer to my daughter as well, that she's now getting her doctorate in astrophysics at Boston University. Y'all yeah, usually throw that in there. <laughs> so out of the blue last week, my daughter just had a birthday. She's now 28. And she sent me this text last week. And I want to read a portion of it, if you don't mind. She said, I just want to say how much I love you and appreciate you, Pops. Um, all my kids and grandkids call me Pops because that's what we all called my dad. And now that he is heaven, in heaven, that mantle has fallen on me and I count it a great privilege. If I didn't have you, the man who actually chose me, who chose to take care of me, I don't think I would be anything close to the woman I am today. So I just want you to know how much I appreciate you now and for always. I may have a biological dad, but you will forever be my father. Thank you for everything you've done when you didn't have to. And thank you for staying with me and mom and choosing to raise a little girl so that I could make it to where I am today. I love you, pops. And on top of that awesomeness, I shared that text with my dear wife. She went and had that text framed. and I have a picture of that. And it's not only in my heart, but it's in a prominent place in my home office so that I can always be reminded of how important it is to be consistent. So, why is God's immutability so important? Because it is His nature to always be consistent. Humans constantly change, God does not. He has promised to love you. So listen, it is his nature that he will always love you. People can and will fail you. Let's just lay that out there. We're going to mess up. But God will not fail you. It is in his very core to be consistent. When Lloyd C. Douglas, the author of (coughs) The Robe and other novels was a university student. He tells the story that he lived in a boarding house as a university student. <clears throat> and every day he had established a ritual with his downstairs neighbor. The old man downstairs was an elderly retired music teacher. He wasn't able to leave his apartment. He was homebound. So every day, Douglas would come down the stairs. He would open the old man's door, and he would say, what's the good news? And the old man would pick up his tuning fork. So I reached out to my buddy Rankin on Friday, and he said, you know what? You need to explain what that is, because some people aren't even going to know what you're talking about. So if you can't see this little one, there's a great big one. This is a tuning fork, and I'm going to see if I can get it to work. It helps when you point the microphone. Did you hear that? The old man said to Douglas that he would, he would tap the tuning fork against his wheelchair and he would say, that is middle E. It was middle E yesterday. It will be a middle E tomorrow. And if we come back in a thousand years, that will still be middle E. The old man had discovered that he could depend on one constant reality in his life, one still point in a turning world. But for Christians, for those of us that love God, the one still turning point in a turning world, the one absolute of which there is no shadow of turning, James chapter 1, is my savior Jesus Christ our lord he is always reliable if somehow we could all be gone and come back a year from now 10 years from now 100 years from now 1000 years from now and this tuning fork was still sitting here and we tapped it it would still be a middle e if you don't know what a tuning fork is I'm sure they all do it digitally now, but it was really important to piano tuners. Because when they were tuning a piano, they had to have a middle note. They had to have an anchor that they could rely on that that note is real. Well, I'm here today to tell you that my God and his ability, his nature to not change doesn't mean that he's in a rut doesn't mean that he is not able to love you and care for you. What it means is that he's always going to be there for you. You know, I think in our world, consistency has got a bad rap. Because my dad had the same job for 35 years. And yet, my dad went all over the world sharing his faith. He, was on, he went to uh, Indian reservations. He went all over the, middle, uh, the Far East. He went to Cambodia, Thailand, Japan, Tokyo. My dad did all of these things, shared his faith, and he wasn't a preacher. He was an airline mechanic. Being consistent doesn't mean you're in a rut, Being consistent simply means I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up today, and I'm going to show up tomorrow. And I'm here today to tell you that my God is always going to show up. Can you say amen? That brings me to the third uh, question I'd like to answer this morning. So why is God being all-powerful important? Because we establish that he's strong enough. Why is God's immutability important? Because it establishes that he's always going to be there. But this third question is, why is the attribute of God's omnipresence important to me? The Bible says this in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol behold you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. Jeremiah 23 says I am I, am I a god at hand and not a god Afar off, can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? To be omnipresent is to be all places at all times at the same time. Kind of hard for us to grasp. And let me establish this truth for you. Our relationship with time is linear. And all I mean by that is it starts and it stops. You're born, you go to school, you go to work, you retire, hopefully you go to heaven. But time for us is a straight line, correct? I can't redo yesterday. I can want to all I want. And man, there's a few yesterdays I would like to redo. How about you? (laughs) I got a list, and I got a top five on that list. Oh, my goodness. There are some days I would like to redo, but you know what? I cannot go back in time. I don't care what the movies say, because how many movies are going about going back in time? A zillion? But you can't do it. But God is everywhere all the time at the same time. His relationship with time is not like ours. It is his nature Just to be everywhere all the time at the same time. God's being is altogether different from our physical matter. Nevertheless, he is with us and the fullness of his presence is all around us. And this ought to bring great comfort to those of you that feel alone or feel sorrow today. A.W. Tozer said that God is always near us, closer than our own thoughts. He said, the knowledge that we are never alone calms the troubled sea of our lives and speaks peace to our soul. In fact, these two uh, attributes kind of go together because they say this about my God. He won't change so he will always be there for us. And then by his very nature, he's always everywhere. So he will always be there for us. Listen to the promise from the great commission. <clears throat> Jesus said, therefore, go make disciples, baptize them. in The name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And may I digress for a moment to say to you today, you are not alone. God is here, God sees you, God hears you. No matter what the circumstances of your life may try to say to you, you are not alone. Pastor Randy and I have often kidded with you folks as we have shared that we were raised in churches that, yeah, I understood God was always with me, but he was always there to get me. God was there to zap me at any moment. But fortunately, as I have grown and matured, I have learned that God is not always with me to get me. He's always with me to help me. To listen to me. To have a relationship with me. Perspective. Right? That private had perspective. So this morning I want you to understand. You're never really alone. Sure that may impact our behavior. And hopefully it does through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Helps us to make better decisions. Because God's there when we're making those bad decisions. But it's not just a threat so you'll behave. It's a promise that he's always going to be there. He's consistent. And if my God could write you a love letter, which he did, he would say over and over and over in his Bible, just like my sweet daughter said in that text to me, I'm going to be there. And so today, may we rest assured in the fact that we can trust that God is reliable. Dr. James Dobson relates a story of an elderly woman. Her name was Stella Thornhope. Stella was facing her first Christmas alone without her husband of many years. And she was struggling. She felt very alone. Not only was she alone for Christmas, it had snowed and so she wasn't going anywhere. No one was coming to her home, and so she had already purposed in her heart that she was just going to cancel Christmas this year. <clears throat> so one afternoon, the doorbell rang, and a, a delivery boy was there with a box, and he said, Mrs. Thornhope, and she said, yes, and he said, sign here, and he set the box down, and he opened the top of the box, and it was a golden Labrador retriever puppy, and the delivery boy <coughs> picked up the puppy and says, this is for you, ma'am. He's six weeks old and he's completely housebroken. And as you would imagine, Mrs. Thornhope said, who sent this? <laughs> and the young man pulled out an envelope and said, it's all explained in this envelope. The dog was bought last July while its mom was still pregnant and it was meant to be a Christmas present to you. He handed her a book on how to take care of Labrador Retriever puppies. So, in desperation, Mrs. Thornhope said, Who sent this puppy to me? And as he turned to leave, he said, Your husband, ma'am. Merry Christmas. So, she opened the letter, and the letter was from her husband. He had written it three weeks before he died. And he had left it with the kennel openers to be delivered with the puppy. And the letter was full of love and encouragement and admonishments to be strong. And he vowed that he was waiting for the day that she would join him. And he sent her, this young animal, to keep her company. Until then, she finished the letter. She wiped the tears from her eyes. She put down the letter. She picked up the puppy and in her heart... She knew that she was really never alone. So today, I don't know what the circumstances of your life are trying to say. You may feel no one cares, no one understands, no one knows what I'm going through. But through this very simple illustration of this elderly woman and this puppy may I remind you straight from the word of God that you're really never alone. God promised in the great commission that he is with you always. So sure, the circumstances of life may try to tell you you're alone, but I'm here today to tell you you're not. You're not ever really alone. So the final question I want us to answer today is why is the attribute of God's omniscience important to me? This is the attribute of God that he is all knowing. Isaiah says, remember the former things, those of long ago, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. God is omniscient, which means he knows everything. Debbie McDaniel writes about the omniscience of God, and she says he can be everywhere at the same time. He never sleeps or slumbers. He's aware every moment of every day, exactly what we're up against He knows our way and is with us always. There's no place on this earth we can go that he doesn't see and know. Because God is all-knowing, we can trust that he knows everything. Everything we're going through today, everything that we're going through tomorrow, everything we went through yesterday. And when we meditate on this truth, especially in the light of these other attributes, It makes it easier to trust our God that he's always, always going to be in our lives. And he's always going to show up. Whether it's the mundane things or the serious, God is always there. And he always knows. He always knows. Suffice it to say, God by his very nature is there. By his very nature, he is powerful enough. By his very nature, he knows. By his very nature, he cares and he won't change his mind about caring. And so with all of that understanding, with all of that perspective about who God is and why it's important to me, I would be remiss if I didn't give you, every person in this room, an opportunity to invite this awesome God into your life. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus into your life, or maybe you've drifted far from God and your relationship is broken, and you would like to do business with this awesome God and invite him into your life, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to bow your heads with me, close your eyes. And I'm not going to mince words. I, I, I want to be direct, and I'm going to ask you to be brave this morning because this is certainly serious, serious business. This is an opportunity for every person in this building to say, God, I want you in my life. Again, if you've never asked the Lord into your life, or maybe you haven't been living for the Lord as you should, and you know this morning you need to do business with the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity, if you would, If that's you, if you know you need to accept the Lord into your life or you need to renew that relationship with the Lord today, I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand all across this place. The ushers will bring you a Bible. Just linger for a moment. If there's anyone that would like to pray with us this morning, just lift your hand and the ushers will bring you a Bible. God bless you all. Would you stand with me this morning, afternoon? There's two responses that I I want us to take before we all head to lunch. The first of these is this. If you need God in all of this awesome greatness, with his power and his knowledge, with all of the things that God is and the very nature of who he is to be in your life, to show up in your life. I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand with me. Lord, we need you today. And as our hands are lifted, I'm just going to invite you to worship the Lord with me this morning. Because we don't just come to the Lord with our needs. We come to the Lord just to worship him. So Father, with our hands lifted Yes, Lord, we all need you in our life. We all have things that we need help with. But we want to take a moment as a church just to worship you, Lord. To thank you that you're always there, that you always show up, that you're always reliable, that you're strong enough, that you're strong enough, Lord, in every situation. Thank you, Lord, that we can rest assured that we're really never alone. We may feel alone, but we're really not Because you are always there. Father, we worship you. We thank you for the power of God in our lives. We thank you for the word of God as it reveals who you are to us. Be with each and every one of us, Lord, as we go about our life. We trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord, for the power of God in our life. We pray these things in your name. Everyone said... Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Our prayer team is down front. If you have any special needs, feel free to come forward and let these folks pray with you. Thank you so much for being here today. Be reminded God is always there. God bless you.